You're listening to a podcast from Newstalk ZB. Follow this and our wide range of podcasts now on iHeartRadio. Oh, g'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Thursday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB, and this morning, uh, yeah, the power's going off this winter. Sorry, sorry about that, guys. Um, sorry for all you people who still seem to be under the mistaken impression we live in a field, uh, first world country. Uh, we, we, we brought back the, uh, the waffle of inadmission this morning, so that was fun. And uh, yeah, we're, 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 Ben, while we're talking now, let's, let's talk short showers. But before any of that, um, the, the sad news came through during the show this morning. Uh, Tina Turner died aged 83. Trending now with Chemist Warehouse, keeping Kiwis healthy all year round. How could you do this? Golden chain taken to the I know the songs we're going to play here to uh, pay tribute to Tina Turner, and you've deliberately left out the song. Why have you done that? So, Tina Turner, queen of rock and roll, has died at the age of 83, born Anna Bullock, and began her music career in 1957 with Ike Turner and the King's Rhythm in 1960. Debuted as Tina Turner before becoming a duo with Ike, of course, who later became her husband for a time, and uh, coming out of that uh, was one of the great... Well, is it your favourite of all time? Seeing her do this live, and she was in her 50s at the time when I saw her, late 50s, just a minute, once in a lifetime. I'm in my 50s. I bet you couldn't move like she moved when she was doing this. Uh, the duo disbanded in 1976. She did a couple of films and then came the golden era of Tina Turner of the 80s. She launched what is known as one of the greatest comebacks in music history. So 84 was the year of the album Private Dancer, which went multi-platinum, got record of the year, featured her first and only number one song on the Billboard Hot 100, What's Love Got To Do? Her Break Every Rule World Tour, our biggest ever at the time, she set the Guinness World Record for the largest paying audience, 180,000 people for a solo performance. Not bad, 180,000 people. Uh, There's her autobiography, I, Tina, My Life Story. That came out in 93. She retired 2009 in a career that sold more than 100 million copies, won 12 Grammys, three Grammy Hall of Fames, Lifetime Achievement Award, and named one of the... 100 greatest of all time. Some say she was simply the best. Jason, our boss, who used to program music stations, as he tells us every is it second day or every day that ends in a Y. I used to program music stations, and I, we were having this debate that this isn't this is a cliche song, and Glenn and I are on the same page. Here we go. Here we go. Don't you this is a song. You're going to pay tribute to somebody. You pay their best, and this is the best. Back tomorrow morning. Happy days.
Oh, sorry, I didn't finish with Jason's story. Sort of like his story. Uh, they go on and on. Anyway, he says simply the best is the greatest song, so he's wrong and I'm right, but... What's next? Yeah, I can safely say uh, one of the best concerts I've ever seen. Uh, back, back in 97, I can't believe it was that long ago. Uh, domestic manager didn't enjoy it quite so much. She was sick and had to sit down for most of the... I don't know why. Too many preloading. Those were the days before, you know, where A, I used to go to concerts and B, it used to drink before going to concerts. So maybe that's what had happened there. I don't know. Anyway, she, she made it through the night. Uh, uh, just Tina Turner definitely did Jimmy Barnes who opened for her kind of didn't he was pretty bad when he came back on to sing something the best the rewrap anyway uh, on to the news of the, the other news of the day uh, we're, we're running out of power again trans power so the alert this week that we might have supply issues this winter is an alarming I thought admission that the bandwagon we're currently on is not all it's cracked up to be. They tell us on the cold days we might have trouble with the amount of power we need versus the amount of power that's available. Higher volumes of renewable, but, here's the key word, intermittent generation. That's the issue they tell us. Now in other words, what we have to offer you is the good stuff, the good clean stuff, it's just not that reliable. So when you're telling us this in May, you know the game's up a bit, surely. It's not even winter. The system system hasn't even been tested or anywhere close to it, and yet you already know, chances are you're going to be unable to cope. This, once again, is the world of the ideologue running smack bang into the world of the realist. And nothing wrong with renewables until you can't rely on them. And that has always been the renewables issue. The wind has to blow, the sun has to shine, uh, or for us, the water has to have fallen out of the sky. As much as I hate to tell you, say whatever you want about coal, but coal works. As long as you're digging it and burning it, you are not short of power. Statement of fact. And that is the key. Nothing wrong with saving the planet, but not at the expense of actually getting on with life. Major question, of course, to ask, and it has been asked, and Transpower's warning has proved it hasn't been answered, how do we power all the EVs? We already, I mean, we've got hardly any EVs right now, and already we can't handle winter. How do we power New Zealand Steel and whatever other companies, furnaces or operations we do deals on? We're adding to demand... But demand can't cope. Oh, but we will. It will, they tell us. Will it? Uh, Would it not be more productive, not to mention persuasive, if we solved the supply bit before we ran out on the demand side? Is sitting in the cold and dark really the future we want? Is a winter in 2023 really that first world in a country that can't heat its people and run its factories and is freaking out even before the winter arrives. Uh, and th- this has be- been an ongoing theme for Mike, of course, um, and for me, because you know, he thinks that we should just you know, shovel coal into things and make as much smoky power as we possibly can. And I tend to be of the opinion that perhaps we need to have a few uh, power cuts until we can figure things out and stop destroying the world. But, you know, whatever. The rewrap. Now, Adrian, speaking of fixing things up, Adrian Orr uh, surprised everybody with, with uh, less of a, a hike yesterday than was was expected in some areas, uh, which led Mike to ask him this question. Well, Mike, you sounded awfully compelling. Now I just don't know who to believe or whom. And that's a very good point. And I was thinking the exact same thing yesterday. And that's what makes it so interesting. As I said earlier before the news, we've all got to pay the price for it, of course, but it nevertheless makes it interesting. I was thinking yesterday as I was watching this press conference, if you were coming in from Mars and you knew nothing about New Zealand, nothing about the economy, and you just listened to him, very, very compelling. And the interesting thing about it is he might be right, but then he might not be. 
And the economists who wanted 50 might be right, but then again, they might not be. Now, here's the other part of the equation, Mike. We can't lose sight of the fact that this was the man who saw printing money at a rate never before seen was on the right path. Mike, how can the RB Monetary Board be competent when they lost control of inflation one job? Mike, you're not competent. Otherwise, we, the taxpayer, would not have to bail you out. So that, to my mind, is a separate argument. And we can go down that track another day, and maybe we will in some sort of royal commission on COVID. What they did back then to get us into the position we're in now... I think was wrong and badly wrong. What we're now dealing with is the mechanism they're currently using to take their, for argument's sake, mistake and cock up and try and get us back on a path that is economically acceptable. They're two, although linked, separate stories. And that's before you get to the waffle of inadmission. Have you engineered a soft landing? In other words, you've landed a 747 on a dime. Uh, um, uh I, you know, it's going to feel hard. <laughs> I think I might have taken him by surprise there, and my suspicion is he was desperate to say, yeah, yeah, I have, and how cool am I? But he thought better of it, and probably wisely. Boy, oh boy, the waffle of an admission, eh? i got to say, uh, it took us about uh, five minutes to try and remember what we'd called that this morning, and then when I remembered the Mr Whippy noise, it all came back to me. The rewrap. We're going to finish up with a uh, a cold shower. Are cold showers all right, or do they need to be short as well? Now, what's the line about history repeating itself? What undid the Clark government, if you've got a memory, was showerheads. Showerheads and water pressure. It wasn't their only issue, but by the time they got to their third term, they looked tired and worse. They looked arrogant. Fast forward 20-something years, history repeats. But if there was one quintessential moment that undid Clark and co, then it was when they started talking about shower heads and water pressure. For those who follow these things or are too young to remember it all, it was a nail in the coffin moment. It was the moment it became clear they had lost touch with reality. They had lost touch with ordinary, everyday middle New Zealand. Their perceived superiority had basically killed them. Just what it is that has this current lot a couple of decades later talking to us about shower times, I've got no idea. When a government tells you about your time in a shower, when a government invades your personal space and starts using yet more of your money to tell you how to conduct your daily routines, far less your daily intimate personal routines, it's time to get them the hell out of your life. Oh yes, it's helpful information, of course it is. It's a money-saving tip. You know, like turning the AC off in the car, keeping the tyres inflated, recycling your waste, not throwing out old food or old clothes. Always useful to offer personal tips to save money. That actually isn't the government's job. The government's job is to run the place properly, but because they failed so astonishingly and spectacularly in that, they are now reduced to offering you condescending advice as to how you might make ends meet, given you can't, because they've buggered the cost of living so badly, you're slowly going broke. On an arrogant scale of 1 to 10, this is a 34. In an odd way, I'm sort of surprised they haven't offered, along with their winter warmer payment, an extended shower payment. I mean, why should you have a short shower? Let us pay for it. Soak up as long as you want. If you ever want an example of how bad things are economically and how phenomenally out of touch this government is, take Megan Wood's advice. Cut your shower time. Follow everything the government says. But at some point, even the most gormless will wake up the way they did in term three of the Clark government and realise it's become beyond a joke. And of course, we must never forget uh, the light bulbs. It wasn't just uh, shower nozzles that uh, Helen Clark's government got into trouble for at the end of their reign. Uh, they also wanted to take all our uh, incandescent lights away and replace them uh, with LEDs, which, ironically, we've all done now because we've realised it just makes economic sense. Maybe if a few more things made economic sense, we would do them. I'm Glenn ZB. 
Uh, you can't argue this podcast doesn't make economic sense for you. It doesn't cost you anything. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another one, which also won't cost you anything. The rewrap. The rewrap. For more from News Talk ZB, listen live, on air, or online, and keep our shows with you wherever you go with our podcasts on iHeartRadio.